Thank you for listening to this teaching from the prayer room. For more teachings, notes, downloads, or to subscribe to our podcast, as well as information about who we are and our upcoming events, visit our website at tprdfw.com. So um, what, we're, what we're doing right now, um, in case you've missed it, is we're, we're in the middle of a, uh, a, a new series that we transitioned out of the book of Revelation. So about um, 12 years ago, I want to say, we did a verse by verse, I mean, walk through the book of Revelation. And um, we, uh, so we did that. That was our first go round. And then here recently, we just finished our uh, thematic version of that. So we went theme by theme. And so um, there were some comments that were like, there's no Q&A discussion groups and stuff anymore. It's like, we just kind of went with that because we thought it was a good idea for the book of Revelation, but we're getting back to what we used to do before that. And, um, and so we're now in this series. We've done two. The, uh, the first two um, sessions was permission to run. <clears throat> now, when, when we were talking about in, in senior staff, we were talking about this concept. We were... I mean, just candidly responding to what is the pulse of what's going on around in the ministry? What are we feeling like? And one of the things that we were kind of uh, noticing as a trend was there was this engagement with the book of Revelation that was kind of laser focused, but also um, like some of the, the topics and, and themes were, were very um, nuanced and and just all up in the weeds and stuff, which is really good for that type of study. But at the same time, if, if you're not careful, what that can do is kind of disconnect from, from some of the other major mandates and, and vision of the house. And so we had this in mind uh, months and months ago as, as we were kind of looking at, man, what is, what's going on in the ministry? What's kind of the pulse of what's happening? And so we, uh, we started developing some of these themes, and Brad just took it and ran with it in, in these uh, in these sessions. So the first one was permission to run, and um, we'll, we'll get some, some feedback here in just a second, but that was one of the major components that we, uh, some of us were just talking about, man, what was it like in the early days when we were just kind of discovering all of this, uh, this forerunner lifestyle, what is that like, and, and you know, one of the, one of the kind of heart ache pulling like oh I just really wish it wasn't the case was back when we were starting we were looking for fathers to like tell us do this this is going to like really set you on the course this will really give you fuel for the fire this will give you the way to run we were looking for that we were looking for like we don't really know what we're doing we're reading the bible and we're seeing these these different like Give, give radically, fast, like really fast, pray together often, forgive your enemies. Like we're, we're looking at, at these, uh, these things that were going on in the word and in the, the first century church, but we didn't see a whole lot of it in our context, in our, in our local churches. And so we were like, we want to really do this. And we were wanting someone to say, do it. Here's permission to run. And so we kind of just looked at each other and we were like, let's do it, man. We're going to go and, and, you know, 
if I start slowing down, you, you encourage me and I'll do the same for you. And so as, as a community early on, that was one of the things that we were doing. So I just wanted to hear some feedback um, from, from anyone who wants to, to share. With that concept of permission to run, what does that mean to you when, when you're thinking about this series, about those themes that, that we're, we're highlighting, about really living in the, in the last generation, living to prepare the way of the Lord and, and to be fiery for God? What does that mean? All right. Well, <clears throat> I'll get it started. I just think, like, it's permission to run. Like, it's almost like... When I think of that, especially for the young adults, I think of it as like, like how like how how hard can you run after God? Like almost like run too hard to where you're like utterly exhausted, like things and other things in your life are falling apart, and then kind of like scale it back. But it's like I don't know. I think kind of the American culture is like church culture is you, know, you got your life set up, and where do you fit Jesus into it? Where do you fit your your daily devotional into that? All good things, but I think permission to run is kind of clearing clearing the table, starting with Jesus, building out your schedule as hard as you want to go, and then trying to fit everything else. So kind of having that, that uh, you know, the foundation be going hard after God and then build your life around that. So it's just like permission to run, especially for young adults, is like, uh, it's like you're never going to be as free as this as far as, no matter how busy you think, I promise you it gets busier when you get married and kids and um, and so it's like permission to just to just go after God, even in a way that, um, you know, is just like as zealous as you can think. So. That's good. Um, while whoever's going to next take the, the mic next, I forgot to say even why we're up here. Like, why are these people on here? So um, Luke Fredenberg, Luke Cooper, Caitlin Lutz, John Stokes, and myself, uh, we, we are on the uh, core team of teachers. So this is kind of like what our, our Bible school's faculty would, would be considered the, uh, the core teachers. There's another group of teachers uh, as well, um, but, but this group that is currently up here, plus uh, Brad and Christy, are, are what we consider our, our core group uh, of teachers. We meet every Sunday uh, and in a living room setting, and we're going through theology. We're going through um, different, different things, and we're, we're – We've all been on on a journey of sharpening uh, one another in our teaching and and uh, and and not just being agreeable, but like really finding out what does the word say about this thing. So that's that's the reason we're up here, uh, just to give a little context. But yeah, so Luke Frenberg just shared that. Luke, go ahead. Yeah, I just um, I always took permission to run. Like, I guess I, I can't even call it something different. It's it's more that like. The lifestyle, it's its something that you can really give yourself to. Um, and it, it's not going to run out, so to speak. Like, it's its something meaningful that you could really, like, I am i can sow my the rest of my life into this life, into this, and that this is a good idea. And I know, based on the word, that I won't have wasted my life, you know. And so it, it just, it was always just like, this is... This is a good thing. So I would say permission to run is like, it's okay to spit in people's faces. No, but really, like, <laughs> what it is, is it, it is like, it's saying to the young kid, because what we were thinking about was, you know, hey, we've kind of been around for probably over a decade. We've got families now, but there's a whole other people that came up. And I remember the, the humility and the hunger to know Jesus. 
uh, when we first came around. And I mean, just like the fasting, the praying. After the prayer meeting, we're going over to another person's house to pray, and you're up all night, and it's revival, and it's there was like a camaraderie. And we recognized, well, we're all like growing up, and it's not in a complacency way, but like where the Lord's taking us, that the avenue of how the Lord's meeting us and our, our fathering and, and mothering. And we're like, but there's this, there's a whole new crew that's starting to arise, and we're like, we, we were looking for people to father us, but now that's what we are. And what we don't want to do is start to create, like, a safe Christianity. Like, because we were, we were wild. We, we got it hurt. We made mistakes. And we kind of recognized the answer to the Laodicean church was be zealous and repent. So it's like you're going to do things wrong, but go after God. Go after God. Seek his face. You're going to pray for people wrong. You're going to evangelize wrong. You're going to get told things. You're going to get corrected. You're going to fall down. You're going to do things going after the Lord 100 miles an hour. But I've kind of always thought about don't wait till you're a Josiah and you become a king to go mess and start a fight with something and, you know, later on your ministry to get wiped out. You know, learn the zealous issues and the things. It'll, it'll fine-tune wisdom in you in the beginning. Use that, that zeal that's going to cause you to run into issues, make mistakes, but you're going to get back up and learn. You're going to get those edges smoothed off instead of just kind of like, I don't know, living comfortably or – you know, and just going like, oh, man, like it's 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 like it's allowing yourself to be all about the Lord and then let him like sanctify things. Kings will pop up quickly and you'll notice them instead of it being like something that just remains hidden and bottled down, you know, that comes up 20 years later and so on and so forth. But, yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that <clears throat> that I remember marking me early on when when we were kind of like figuring this out and saying we really can go be part of part of the whole equation was we had we had different leaders saying like hey you don't have to like you don't have to go that hard like you can just settle down like stop the show you don't have to do that and we were like it's not a show we're <laughs> really trying to love god with everything and i remember a uh, a leader uh in in my life uh one time i was um I was I was commenting on, on something that was going on. I was like, "Man, where's the fire? Like, let's go for this." And and this leader uh, told me he was like, "Hey, man, I know you're new at this, but just give it some time, and you'll you'll settle down just like the rest of us. So just chill out." And I was like, "No, I'm not going to give it some time, and I'm not going to settle down and just chill out and." and like coast like everyone else and I'm definitely not going to do it on day one I'm not ever going to do it and I remember that just marking and and I I remember thinking whenever I'm in leadership I will never tell someone hey man settle down we don't need to see all the all the zealousness and the zeal just calm down and that was just like one of those I feel like from the Lord you know just and that leader came back and, and, you know, apologized later. He was like, hey, I probably should. I was, what, what he was trying to say was like, hey, I, I, I kind of feel like uh, not jealousy, but like I kind of feel some competition from from what I see in you. And like it, it kind of it kind of makes me yearn for my early days. And I was like, well, dang, like it doesn't have to be just early days. Like, let's do this thing. So, um. So that that was the uh, kind of the permission to run kind of uh, feel um, kind of theme that we we've been talking about. 
the second session that that we've been uh, that we just got out uh, this this past week was building a history of God, and I, I really want to hear some uh, some feedback on this one. You know, one of the the most painful realities is is watching someone, you know, a leader in your life or just somebody at, at another ministry or somebody with a microphone, you're like, man, you can just tell they've got like a history with God. And you're like, they say these like radical phrases and they like say these things and like, oh, it stirs me up. And I can remember like saying some of the same phrases, just really just echoing or parroting what they were saying, but there's zero like reality behind any of it. And and I'm like, I'm still going to say the phrases because it just sounds right. But I want to get a history in God. I want to get some, like, substance behind these phrases. And, uh, and so on this, talk about building a history in God and, and what that means to you. And, and, and more, more than just what that means for you, what you feel like that can be for, for anyone in this ministry. Someone, someone who's just been coming around the past couple years, or, or maybe even more recent than that. So, hi, building a history in God. Talk about that. Well, one thing that really stuck out to me that Brad mentioned, and I, I really resonated with that, is that um, a history with God isn't just about how many years or months or whatever you've been saved. It doesn't happen by default just because you've been in the game a while. You actually have to build it. I remember a while ago thinking about the, the life of someone, someone that I know and love and just and looking at that li- their life and being like, dang, they've been saved like 20 years and I think they're still a baby Christian. Like, ooh, wow, like I don't, want, I don't want that to be me. I don't want that to be, you know, anyone that I love. Like it really does take um, like an active lifestyle of pursuing God um, and just lots of conversations and lots of, you know, talking to him through different life circumstances and going through things not with God just like just on the back burner in the backdrop of your life somewhere but like going through the things that you go through with him so that they actually like become part of your story and you can actually like learn and grow from those things and then look back and realize that all those things that happened like built something deep and real in your heart that like, didn't happen by default just because the thing happened to you. It happened because you, like, made a choice to engage with the Lord through that circumstance. Whereas otherwise, like, situations can come and go and you come out the end, like, none the wiser. Um, but that's, that's not what we want. We want to actually engage with the Lord um, throughout all seasons of our life so that we actually, like, let life form us um, into having, like, a depth of a history and a real relationship um, with him through every different kind of season. Yeah, so getting a history in God, I think the biggest thing was getting, like, letting go of, like, because you're, you're with everybody, so everyone's got something to say, and like Andy said, one of the things that, I, I didn't have the language for this, but I was saved for a year, maybe, and I'm just listening to people, oh, quote, amazing people, men of God, saying stuff they said, and I just remember thinking, like, like, we'll see what that looks like, but, like, I just need to dig my own well. And over the time, that kind of zeal that they, you know, you hear what the teachers are having to say, you kind of watch it fade. And at the end of the day, it's about your own shovel that you've been plowing with. And those things boost your confidence and power to pursue the Lord. But I knew it wasn't enough to just hear good teachers. I got to dig my own well. 
and just something that I felt, you know, even just something that a conversation has been kind of been having right now is like the Lord was talking to me about Job and he just said, look at Job's life and how he's established and what did the enemy try to come and do? He, he, when I, when I, what did the, what did the enemy come to me and say, or what I, the Lord said to the enemy, he said, you know, Satan, where you been? He goes to and fro from here and there uh, around the earth, you know? And one of the curses was the angels lost their proper place of domain, and that's what caused him to be condemned. And Job was just placed. He was rooted. He had somewhere he was at. And a lot of times the enemy wants to distract you and go, well, if I was over there, and like Andy was saying, if I had a father, if I had, and so you're looking for something to benefit you when you have no idea that you were born into a family and you don't need to complain and look, oh, if I was just had that, if I could be over there, then you're always wishing it was greener. But Job got planted and lived and was blessed abundantly. But the person who's most free going wherever he wants to go has, is the spirit of accusation. And he's going, hey, I got something to say. And, he, and, he, and he's bringing up accusation. He's trying to derail the purposes, but so much the Bible talks about being rooted. The righteous are rooted. They're not moved. They're rooted. And a lot of times that comes because you're listening to this voice. The last thing I'm going to say, and I'll, I'll stop, is because uh, Proverbs 3 says, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. And a lot of times, you know, marriage, community, things that God places you, and it's important. And the enemy wants to stop that. But you lean on him and he gives you what to, he, you lean on the one who is steadfast in love. You lean on the one who is faithful in love. And, and that's what keeps you. And it says, if you do this, it says you'll be blessed abundantly. And it talks about all these blessings. And then it says, lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways. And so that's just an important reality is it's like, it's him that you're going to lean on that's going to keep you where you need to be. Because you have a thousand reasons to go here or there or over there for, it's greener, it's more abundant. That guy's anointed, whatever. And it's derailing. And it's like, do you just stay plant and be uh, in that place, and you'll be established. The Lord will move, and you'll be a mighty oak that can actually bear good fruit, if that makes sense. I love John. <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, I loved last week's <laughs> session. He, he asked this great question, like thinking about where you want to be in 20 years yeah. in your life in God. And I just think if you've never asked yourself that question or you've never thought about that idea of five years, 10 years, 15, 20 years from now, what do I want my life and God to look like? It's like, I don't understand the book of Romans. 10 years from now, don't let that be the case. I don't know the storyline. Don't go five years without knowing the storyline. Like I remember hearing this quote um, really early. It was a Mike Bickle quote, and he talked about how he had seen these generations of fiery people, but that they weren't around anymore. And he said it was another generation in the, you know, from the 80s, and then in the 90s, it was another generation, like a thousand people, and that most of them were gone again. This is back in probably 2005, 2006, and he's just like talking about it again, like that again, there's like, you know, probably a thousand people or so at the conference and he's still asking the question. He's like, he's like, look, in my experience, the fiery ones usually last about three to five years. And I remember hearing that quote and just being terrified in my heart because I thought that I was fiery and I was like, Oh my gosh, I expire in five years. Oh no, what am I going to do? And so I remember not even having like a 20 year. My goal was like, my goal is to still love God and not quit after five years, I got to make the five-year mark, and then I'll figure out what I'm going to do. And I remember, like, passing that five-year mark and thinking, okay, I can do this. 
I can do this. I can do this. And so something that I found is um, it's 1 John 2, it's verse 5 and 6. I'll just have to read it. But it's uh, whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected, and by this we know that we're in him. And whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And just something that, what, what that really is talking about is saying that, first of all, you need to have the conversation with the Lord. You need to figure out where he has you. I remember like Brad and, and Brad's living room. This is before the prayer meetings even started. This is just when it was a Thursday night Bible study. I remember Brad said this phrase. It was so convicting and I was so jealous and I wanted to be able to say it. He said like, I can point to every single major decision in my life and tell you where I heard God or that I know God spoke to me or the dream or the thing that I had that told me that I knew I was supposed to make that decision. I was like, oh my gosh, that sounds like the most confident place you could possibly be that you had nothing to hide. You, you really knew you were walking the narrow road and that you're actually following the spirit of the Lord. And I thought... I want that for my life. And so I remember just, just deciding then, this is going to be my reality. And I didn't even find this verse until like years later where the Lord started highlighting and just saying like, hey, if you will just keep my words, if you'll just do what I tell you do, and you'll just stay where I place you. So this is like, I've done it both sides. I've been the intercessory missionary on senior staff doing, you know, the 50 hours a week, just the hard schedule, raising support by faith. And then the Lord about halfway through it speaks, hey, stop doing this, go get a job. And I start working overnight on a dock, uh, driving forklifts and 18 wheelers around all lost people who hate God. About and as opposite as you can get. Yeah. <laughs> and I found that my heart still grew in the most opposite environment possible. It was not the house of the Lord and it was not rosy and it wasn't awesome. It was dark, but I knew God told me to be there. So I did the same thing of I'm going to sing songs. I'm going to try to minister to some of the people around me. I'm going to repent of sin. And I found that as I was doing that, I was like, oh my gosh, God, I can find you wherever. So just that whole life and like, where you see yourself in 20 years, when you're answering that question, um, you can't put circumstances around it. Like you really, if you put circumstances around it, like, well, I'm still going to be an IM or I'm still going to be a this. It's like I, you might get disappointed, and that's not even the point. The point, it's really like where you see yourself like, like Brad, I think he gave like a list, like of 16 things on there of like, you know, you know how to hear God's voice. You know the Bible. You've read it through. You do the Sermon on the Mount. Fasting is a lifestyle. You do evangelism. It's like, get those things as rooted. Don't go 10 years and you don't have those things nailed out, you know? So I'm going to stop. So, so just to, to extend off of that, <clears throat> I, can, I can, without without knowing any specifics, I know for sure some of you have, have some of those statements that you've you've made almost as vows as like, in 10 years, this is what I want. If any of you want to share any of those, I'd, I'd love to hear what some of those are. But, like, one of the things that, that I just know for me personally, and I love the way that, that Luke said it, is 
if you're if your confidence is really tied to the circumstances of it, you're setting yourself up for like real disappointment. And and so like instead of saying, man, I'm going to be a an you know intercessory missionary or or whatever, or I'm going to have a, a platform with ten thousand people in front of me. I'm, I'm thinking more like, God, I want to be able to, wherever I'm at, focus my heart and feel your tenderness. Like, that's a goal in my life. Like, in 10 years, I can, uh, we, were, we were able to go up to Kansas City uh, here recently for the uh, return conference. We were sitting there in, in, the, uh, in the Friday night session, and, and I'm watching Mike Bickle, who... who I just so admire, and I'm looking at him, and he's preaching the word, and he's he's talking about something that seems so like elementary, not very uh, complicated, complex, like advanced theology. He's just talking about like loving God, and and he starts to like you can see him like emotion filling him, and he just stops from preaching, and he's just like. You just see him like weeping in tenderness before the Lord, and I'm feeling the Holy Spirit move on me, and I'm like, yes, yes. It doesn't matter if there's two people in the room or 10,000. I want to have tenderness before the Lord. I want to be able to read his word and and feel the Holy Spirit move. I mean, it's great when I feel him move, but I want to I want to know that connection is real, and I want to have walked that road of, Lord, here I am again before your word. Come and speak to me. I want to have walked that 10,000 times, 10,000 times. And, and so, you know, I want, to, I want to hear some examples if you guys are willing to share, if, if it's not, you know, too, too secretive or whatever. But, like, what are some of those goals that, that you guys have set for 10 years from now, 20 years from now? This is what I want in my life. I mean, I guess initially I just I would think my first spiritual goal is – I'm going to learn how to hear God's voice. And I would say that that one really hasn't left. And it kind of like with it, it was, it was, I want to hear your voice. And I just, I loved how like the Bible talked about Abraham and it says that Abraham was a friend of God. And I just thought like, I want that. I want it to, if that I had a book that'd be like, and Luke was a friend of God. I just, you know, like, I just, I was like, I, I think I even in my first Bible, I actually like crossed Abraham's name out and I wrote, I wrote Luke in there and I was like, bam, it says it. <laughs> but uh, just at least like a recent one. Um, and it was really off of the, the, the whole like, where do you want to, you know, a 10 year and a 20 year thing is I was really just, I was thinking about, like, just evangelism and sharing the gospel and just thinking, like, you know, Lord, I want, I want this to be something that I can say this is, this is absolutely, this is a part of my life, and I've been doing it. Um, ten years from now, I don't want it to look like from ten, like, if I look at ten years from now, you know, I, I don't want it to look like maybe the last ten years. It's like I want to know that I really, you know, for the next 10 years, I really went after this thing that, you know, Paul, he has this statement, you know, like at, at the end, he says, like, I'm innocent of every man's blood because I didn't hesitate to share the gospel. And I'm just, I think about that statement. I'm like, that's, that's a really convicting statement. And I just think about all the times that I've hesitated um, and all the times I've made excuses for I don't want to share or things like that. And I'm like, 
I really want to nip that in the bud, and I don't want that to be a part of my life. Um, yeah, I remember. Uh, I remember back in uh, back when I was eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Before I went, I hopped before I knew anything prayer movement. Before I knew what prophecy was, like this guy at my church uh, prophesied over me. Just the the phrase uh, you probably heard the phrase. I hadn't heard it at the time, but. He just said, like, Luke, I feel about you. There's this phrase I'm getting is others may or others may, but I cannot. And then he just started prophesy or he started prophesying how like the Lord was gonna give me this like just set of partners for him. Um, and so I really I've really carried that, you know, since since my early days. And just specifically related to like I guess a, a goal or where I want to be in ten years is just always following the Lord when for me it's like media, like media's great, watching stuff, shows is great, but there's stuff for me that, like, my friends are, like, love, and I'm watching it, and I'm feeling defiled by it, or I'm just, like, I hear that, that small nudging in the Lord, like, like others may, but I cannot, like, this is, yeah. like, this is just one area, and I, I just, made, like, bowed in my heart, like, I'm never gonna, like, I'm never gonna, you know, it's hard sometimes, but never gonna, like, just try to fit in, like, I'm gonna follow the voice of the Holy Spirit, and so there's been times even, like, a year, probably a year ago, we are watching a show, and it was really good, but I was feeling all the, like, I shouldn't be watching this, and um, I had to, like, repent afterwards uh, to my wife because <laughs> we were watching this. I'm like, I, look, I've, I was feeling conviction, and I didn't listen to the Lord. And so I've just, like, set myself, like, I would, you know, whatever cool show that people are talking about, like, if, it, if I'm watching it and the Lord is speaking to me, like, you know, kind of, like, drawing me, like, I got, I got something better for you, Luke. Like, I never want to ignore that voice. I want to be sensitive because I'm trying to live set apart, and he's helping giving those nudges. This is what it looks like for you, Luke. This is what, you know, um, what I have for you. So. Yeah, I think for for me, um, my idea of what I wanted wasn't what I ran into, but the concept of, you know, go after the Lord, pray fast, you know, hardcore, everything you can give. You know, that was the right idea. That was the right thing to do. And uh, But kind of like what Luke was talking about, being in one place, and then you get pulled from it, and so like, you can get stripped from your confidence. So I think a major thing for me has been, and what I want is to have a life where I'm with God in all that I do. And so, and, and a lot of that, you know, I've, I've had ideas of that means time in the Bible, but the Lord's like, it's not what that means. Uh, that means, you know, that means quiet and just listening to what the Lord is saying. He's like, I'm not a Buddhist. I don't spend, you know, when, when you saw my life ministry, was it like Jesus would go off for 13 days and just sit in the desert and just, you know, it's like, he's like, no, he's like, he's like, hey, you got to do what I'm doing. So if, you, if you're change, if I'm changing diapers, you're changing diapers. If you're cleaning the table, I'm cleaning the table. He's like, he's like, be with me. He's like, I mean, my name is Emmanuel. I'm God with you. And in me is life. I'm here to do life with you. And so it kind of helped me. It was something hard, and easily that that's can be made fun of, but to pull someone back from what you thought, you know, it's all about how much you read, how much you pray, and the Lord really met you that way, how much you fast, you know, and it was, it was powerful, it's impacting, but when the Lord says, you know, blue collar, go home, do the dishes, you know, and, and it's really, you're up at four in the morning, and you're really not going to bed till 11 at night, and you're like, Lord, but he meets you through the day, and he starts to strip you away of you and you find the God that's with you and then I found it's better to have two minutes of God illuminating the word of God to you and to spend eight hours doing something of your own which obviously if you have the ability and God gives you the grace and you're eight hours amazing be hungry 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 
but the reality of like I want to be with God. I want to whether it's in a prison cell, no one can take him away, and I want to have that fellowship all day. And my thoughts come from him. I turn them to him, and that all that I would do that like in a odd way, but like how Moses would glow. Like not that I want to glow, but that literally I just would live under the Lord in, in all that I do until I meet him face to face. You know. So the uh, the next question that I <clears throat> I wanted to to ask you guys is so like let's get let's get pretty pretty uh, personal here in our in our context with with the prayer room. So as 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 we have you know uh, to the point that Luke was talking about, there's just this kind of here in the past few years this new group of people coming in, early twenties, mid twenties, or whatever it is. And and have been you know coming around the prayer room, and and have found themselves in this place. Like, what is what are some of the um, advice points that that you would give for somebody? And and part of it is like, man, what would I tell myself if I could go back and find my twenty-one-year-old self? Like, what would I tell myself? Like, not invest in crypto or big or whatever like but like in god what would you tell your your early 20 year old self or whatever or what would you tell someone you know that's at the prayer room now what is what is one or two points that you would give them if you want permission to run if you want a history in god do this sounds real simple but like the most like the most transforming thing and i didn't learn about this until i was but like turning the Bible into conversation with God. So like my advice, and I would be hard on this, like if you want to grow in God and you're not reading your Bible, like what are you doing? That this is, this is the God gave us this, you know, all these verses so we could know him. Um, and so like this is, this is how we grow in God. Obviously there's the ways of the spirit and that stuff, which we need to, but like this is the primary way we know who God is and who we are. And so just as a young person, um, like I would encourage you like spend lots of time just and when you're newer in the Lord and newer to the prayer movement like sometimes you don't even know what to pray or you don't know how so just like you know taking the the word of God as the as a prayer manual and just turning it into dialogue even if you're like reading a verse and you're like you know um, you know forerunner like uh, they keep saying that term forerunner and like God I'm reading John the Baptist was a forerunner like, you're like I have no idea what that means like God show me like what it means to be a forerunner, like mark my heart, like that's prayer and that's how you're going to grow even if you know nothing about that concept. And so I would say like spend lots and lots of time, um, um, shut other things down in your life so that you can spend time in the Word. And to me, I mean, reading it is valuable, but reading it and then not just reading it and having a one-way, uh, like you're reading it and getting filled, but, but praying it back to God, taking the Word of God, speaking it back to God. I remember just being a young adult and someone introducing me with that most basic idea. And I'm like, I can talk to God. Like, I can take the Bible and talk to him about the Bible. <laughs> I remember, like, it, it literally changed everything in my life when that once I started doing that, took away and run, ran with it. And even all these years later, like, that's the primary way. I appreciate prayer tips and different ways of engaging. But I'm just like, I just like to take the Word of God and whatever chapter I'm in, verse I'm in, just talk to God about that verse and see where he takes you. Um, I would just say, word of God, turn it into conversation. Yeah, no, I would, uh, yeah, having a Bible, a Bible action plan is really good. Like seeing it as a, not a sprint, but just like a marathon. And not that you have to like pace yourself, but really just 
try to get a plan, and it's okay if you don't get it all in in one year. It's okay if you don't get it all in in two or three years. If you're just starting, I'd recommend kind of a whole New Testament, Old Testament survey just to get your head around the story, and maybe you do some focus study in like Matthew 5 through 7 and read Revelation once a week. But other than that, um, I would just think you really take advantage of the time where the cement's still wet in your life uh, and just kind of deciding like the direction and the type of lifestyle that you're going to live as an adult. And I think that that's a really that's a really crucial issue because you only have so much time before your mind gets made up about what you're going to pursue um, as a human. And so while you have a moment of sobriety or while wherever that is, you know, because there's even times like later in your life where the Lord kind of like he wets, he re-wets the cement somehow. And we have opportunities to make a course correction and a change. And so you think like when you have the moment of sobriety, where are you setting yourself and where are you pointing yourself to? And what kind of an imprint are you trying to, what kind of a foundation are you trying to lay? So, I mean, if you've got free time, golly, cancel your Netflix, get off social media, and really just try to like, try to give yourself to like an extended consecrated season. You know, if you've never done kind of like some seasons of like really trying to give yourself to fasting, do it. Do it until like the Lord says, stop it. Or, life really changes so you kind of have to make some adjustments but like there's life won't always be as free and flexible as what it is right now and you don't want to have gotten to the end of that that's that window of opportunity and realize that man I I kind of wasted this um because you won't get that back and so I just I think that there really is a, a golden opportunity for a lot of people that you really can um, go after the Lord in a, a really focused way, and you'll be really glad that you did. The thing I would say or want to tell someone uh, is be unproductive, be inefficient, get nothing done, because actually like waste your time on the Lord. And that's what, that's what Mary of Bethany did. And that was the accusation that came against her that, like, Mary of Bethany is, like, one of my favorite things to talk about. Um, that how, like, the, in the first time we see her, she's sitting at Jesus' feet when she was expected to be helping Martha in the kitchen and said she was there being unproductive, wasting her time. And then later on, we see her, and she's wasting her oil poured out at his feet when that could have been sold for a lot of money. She could have been d- done something, like, good with that, something productive. Um, and, and Jesus actually called it beautiful. Like there's something beautiful about wasting your time and energy and resources, um, on Jesus, like fall in love with the idea of beautiful waste, like love the fact that it makes no sense and just dive head first into that. Um, because like, I feel like you enter into it as a point of like, this is a waste of my time. Yeah. But then you like realize this actually isn't a waste of my time. This is the most productive thing I could be doing. Because uh, it's what Luke was saying. It's like everything else fades away, and this is what, like, this is what actually has eternal value. Um, I remember there was, uh, I don't know who this quote came from, but one of the revivalists or reformers or someone um, who said, like, I have so much to do today, I have to spend the first four hours of my day in prayer. 
Like, I am so busy. My life is so full. Therefore, I have to spend the first four hours in prayer. And I feel like so often it's so easy to be like, I'm so busy. Therefore, I don't have time to pray. But it's the same concept as like your money, tithing your money, right? You could say like, I'm on a really tight budget. Therefore, I can't afford to tithe. But actually, it works the exact opposite. No, you can't afford not to tithe um, because like it, it's, it's actually so valuable and it makes the rest of your time or your money in whichever case like actually so much more um, like productive or valuable. Like God blesses that the rest of your time more <laughs> if you give like give him the first part, give him the best part. So that's what I would say, like fall in love with the idea of like ridiculous, impractical waste on Jesus. And when someone brings that accusation, like, this is impractical, this doesn't make sense, aren't there so many other better things you could be doing? Just smile and agree with them. Yes, this makes no sense, and I love it. Yeah, I just, I can only piggyback on everything everyone else just said, because really, that's the wisdom of the Proverbs. It says, like, love her, love wisdom, love insight, like, give yourself to her. It's, it's the man Jesus. It says it's worth more than treasures and gold and silver, all that you could find. And Jesus said, "Bless." I mean, I love this in Proverbs 8. Jesus said, blessed are those who watch daily and wait at my gates for whoever finds me finds life and they will receive favor from the Lord. And it says, whoever doesn't find me, they injure themselves. And I feel like you do that because of whether you're, you're looking for your identity. What am I going to be? All this ambition, like who am I? And it's all in him. And if you don't actually rest in him, know him, then you're just striving. Even if you know what you've got in God and the talents and the gifts and the what is and the could be's, everything is there and our soul is screaming, somebody validate me, I'm important. And when you, like, you just really, though, when you do the wisdom of God and you rest in him and you find your identity, he settles everything and then you're like, oh, and you don't have to fight for it. And then you go, wait a minute, Moses is a deliverer and he didn't go to deliverer school or to raise up and go talk to these other armies and try to convince them to follow him. He went and took care of his father-in-law's sheep. Wait, Joseph was this guy, and he, he got treated this way and went to prison, and somehow now he's the, the next to the Pharaoh. You know, like, what? It's like you go, no, and so you can believe all things. You can hope all things. You can actually live a life that's set apart for him, and God will bring you to what he wants you to, and you never had to strive for any of it. You can just rest in him, and you are who you are, and you don't have to change it. If you're like Joseph at waiting, if you're like Moses just taking care of Father-in-law sheep, it doesn't matter. You're not affected. Man, one day people will see, oh, you know, I'm going to be. And we can, like, you, we can have rest. And it's like, so to me, it's like, you know, you're young, you're 21, and it's full of zeal. It's who am I? It's time to find me, college, tech schools, whatever it may be. And it's like, hey, exactly what Luke said. Get in the word and open it up and say, Lord, what do you have to say? And then you start to, like, it, that wisdom, faith come to hearing. He'll speak and move. And you'll start to want and burn, and you get, you get lost in God, and it doesn't matter. And it says, whoever finds me finds life. And there's just too much. All of the wisdom is uh, the Proverbs. And my son, listen to my instructions. My son, listen to me. My son, my son, my son. And it's a father that's, he, it's our father saying, listen to me, guys. Like, hear what I have to say. And then so we don't come up with our own lives. Well, that's how we hurt ourselves. Lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge me. I'll make your path straight. I'm going to do work, and you'll have confidence in me. And it's not something that we conjure up or say, yeah, glory to God. It's a reality that it's like, no, I don't have anxiety. He doesn't. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. You don't have to fight. One more thing I'll add real quick is just uh, saying to a young person who wants to run after the Lord or an old person who wants to, like, start freshly running after the Lord, I would say, like, it's so important just to, like, trust the process, meaning... 
Um, you're in it for a marathon. There's going to be probably more times than not that you're doing a good thing. You're reading your Bible. You're reaching for the Lord, and you don't feel it. Yeah. You don't feel. You feel more oppressed when you read your Bible. You're like, wow, that didn't work. So like, 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 trust the process. Me, like, pray God touch me. God encounter me. We all want to feel God more, but like. I think our culture, especially the younger culture, we're so addicted to feelings, we're so addicted to instant, and so when we do something, we see in God's word, you know, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you, and we try it for five minutes and it doesn't work, we give up. And I would say, like, trust the process, like, if you're in a room, you're doing the, the beautiful waste, you're reaching for the Lord, you're talking to Jesus, if you stay with that for a decade, like, I promise, I promise you, you're going to be a changed person, and there are going to be days that you don't feel it, and... There's going to be days that you feel it, and for the Lord, like he, it's, all, it's all part of a journey. So I'd say just like trust the process, trust the people around you who are telling you to trust the process, and like we're older, we're more, you know, down the road a little further, and we love Jesus. Like trust the process because we're no different than anyone. We've just been saying yes, and he really does change us over the years from doing the simple things. Yeah, that's good. So like <clears throat> just to, to elaborate on that, we've got to have faith that doing a mundane thing that seems like it's inconsequential and boring in the moment, doing that over and over, those iterations have small incremental impact in our hearts that's not seen. But over the course of a decade, you look back and you're like, oh my gosh, that was the wisest thing I could have ever done was to just stick with it, trust the process, right? And, and I mean, it's... It's having the faith of saying, okay, the word says this is the way to do life. I'm going to do it today and not see a whole lot of impact and not see a whole lot of movement. And I'm going to do it tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. And then you look back and it's like, that was brilliant, Lord. Yes, that was the way to go. Okay, so uh, one more question I think that we can get in before we open it up to the floor for any any questions is <clears throat> what is one of you can you know one or two or whatever what are some of the biggest threats or ways that you've seen the the forerunner you've seen somebody going hard and the next thing you know they get it's like where did they go i don't i don't see them anymore not see them here at the prayer room but like are they even following god anymore like what what are some of those biggest ways that someone can get taken out what are what are some of the the ways so so for anybody listening to this is like well i don't want to i don't want that to be me i want to be able to to uh avoid that trap or that that threat or the thing that can take someone out of running hard after god for decades i think one that comes to mind and one that's really scary to me that i'm really sober about is just the like over-familiarity, meaning the, the, the subtle thing in our heart that says we're listening or we're reading a verse or we, we say something and we, we hear something that we've heard before and we, make them, we, make, we settle it in our minds like, oh, I heard that, like I got that. We kind of like do the proverbial, we check that box. Um, I'm just like, I never want to like, I, I see that, I have to fight that just like you all do, but like, like always, you know, always leaning into to getting, like always being, going low, humble, say, Lord, you have more for me. So I think um, when you're in it a long time, you're going to hear a lot of the same messages. You're going to hear a lot of the same songs in this prayer room, hear the lot, a lot of the same um, verses and concepts. And it's, it's easy. Our heart gravitates towards 
you know, putting our hands back on our head and be like, I've, you know, I've, I've been in this two weeks or two years. Like, I know everything. I've heard it. Like, we would never tell anyone that. I think we have to, like, constantly be on guard and fighting because that will take us off course into pride, into actually despising it five years later. We're despising that thing that we once loved because we let our heart get overfamiliar and dull, and then sooner or later we're despising it. So I've just, like, when, you know, so we're in the middle of a message, and, you know, next week Brad's talking about something, and you're like, I've already heard that, like, that's when you need to put your phone away and you need to press in all the more and say, I need to get my pen out right now. I'm not even a note taker, but I'm just going to underline whatever <laughs> sentence is right here. Like that's when to engage that, that reach is when we, we feel that, that lie coming into our hearts that like, I've heard this before. I've, I've got this. One thing I would say that I've seen and I've definitely felt like the beginnings of in my own heart is what I might call like revival burnout where because um, I know in my early days, like with the Holy Spirit, I was in a culture and context. It was all like, yeah, revival. We're going to see crazy things and heaven's going to come to earth and it's going to be awesome like next week. Or at least that was what it, I, that's what I felt like I was hearing. I think that's what a lot of us felt like we were hearing. And so we like got all hyped up to see crazy things like immediately and it didn't happen. Um, and so I think you really have to like get a vision for faithfulness and get a vision for eternity. Um, and also like once I started when after like that, I, I was like, well, were we like all just, you know, uh, deceived that maybe revival is not coming at all ever after all. Um, and so then I had to get into the biblical storyline a while later and realize like, oh no, there is actually for sure revival coming. It just might not be like as immediately as I originally thought, but no, it's in scripture. Like it is coming. Like I can hold on to scripture. Um, and so, yeah, like, uh, getting a vision for um, for some of the long-term impact um, rather than setting all of your hope on things happening right away, I think can save you a lot of wear and tear on your emotions and disappointment and everything. Um, I would say, uh, I know we've, I think we've said it plenty of times from a platform, like getting offended and how offended will, but offense is actually it's usually a byproduct of something else that's happened. And a lot of times the thing that's happened is Jesus says, hey, lose your life for my sake and you'll find it. But if you find your life, then you're going to lose it. And a lot of times what he's actually talking about is it it's, can be as simple as like your desire to be understood, um, your need to feel important. Like you had to teach a class and nobody came to it and you still had to teach a class and do a good job. You've got to do the set that nobody really wants. You actually aren't good enough to do the set, and they took you off the team, and they made you do something else. They don't let you play the nice guitar. You've the like, you've got to be the usher. Like, you, they, I mean, there's so many different ways, like, that your expectations get, you, you have unmet expectations, like, and stuff like this happens. And that's actually, it's in those moments is where the battle is. Because how you handle when your feelings get hurt, that's the precursor to you getting offended. It was your feelings got hurt. It wasn't so-and-so did something. It was actually you got, you got bumped and you weren't sure how to handle it. And so when you can learn to like lay your life down and you can learn to, like, I love how James puts it, like the meekness that's from above is willing to yield. It's peaceable. And I just, I, I mean, I even think about it in my own life. If I have, like, confusion and I can't figure out what to do, I immediately start to think, like, do I have an unwillingness to yield? Wow. 
to something? Like, is there something that's going on? Because James says, if that's happening in my heart, then what's happening right now is I'm receiving demonic wisdom, and I'm absolutely receiving confusion, and that's the precursor to every wicked thing. And so that's where a lot of times it actually comes from, is when you can, like, get your expectations and really try to, like, let those, lay those ambitions and those expectations, lay that stuff at the feet of Jesus. Like we say, like I lay everything, I give it all to you, Lord. Like we love to sing those songs. And most of the time we just think about money or maybe a little bit of our time, but really think about actually like how you're perceived, your reputation, your ambition, your schedule, your service, what you say yes to, the thing that you're asked to do by other people and figure out how to do that with a good attitude and humility for like a long time, like a decade. And you will be amazed at how much love begins to burn in your heart and how much transformation happens as you embrace uh, service with humility. Uh, so uh, about warning and just watching out for things that can take people out, obviously it's the enemy, right? Like it's the enemy wants to derail, to stop you from being what's best, to live for good, or to just turn you away. And uh, so just a consequence and a, you know, Something you don't want to bring up, but you got to bring up, is the reality that you're walking to the God that's light. That's all the almighty God, the powerful God, but he knows you. He's a wonderful counselor. He's meeting you today. He's your everlasting father. He's speaking to you. He wants to revive you. Come and taste it. The Lord is good. It's amazing. But you're drawing near to him, but who he is gets on you. And so that can be anointing. That can be power. That can be what you say. That's, that's a life you have in God that you can speak because what you receive by faith is what you can give. You know, you can say all you want verbally about heal, power, da, da, da. It's not gonna, it doesn't matter. You only have what you received. So that's the scary thing is because the enemy understands. That's why that sons of Sekva, whatever, I don't know the names. But they, the enemy didn't move. It just tore them to, pre, to pieces. But they, had, they knew this guy's name. And so when they knew Paul, they knew Jesus. It's like, so when you're drawing near to the Lord, you're, you're walking to the one that intimidates the one that wants to intimidate you so that you don't do what this God can have you do. Because like Moses, he sticks out a staff and a, a sea splits. You know, it's God that moves through those who have in these, this relationship. And so reality is, is you're gonna, the enemy's gonna come your way, fiery darts, but it's gonna teach you like David said, the Lord teaches my hands for war. And that's what, the, that's what this is, is. It's like it's reality that everything is plant-based through love. And you're in love with him and you get to know him. But then you will see, the. I'm just going to be honest, the real face of the enemy. And everything becomes so black and white. And you start to feel like you're living in a different galaxy than everyone else is. Because there's real attacks. There's real things. He shows up in tangible ways. But you start to learn the Lord. You start to fuel the real weight of accusations and anxieties and worries and everything you could possibly think of. And, but the Lord delivers you and you see his power and you start to learn the strategy. So that when you see your friend over there and like, yeah, you know, again, I wish I had a father in faith. You start to see these things where the enemy's starting to try to get a hold and loophole people's hearts and it can be innocent or it can be light, but it's, it start, you start to discern things. And that's the beauty of drawing near to the Lord is, you know, I've heard the last thing I'll say is, uh, I think my cousin told me some time ago, he said, you know how bank tellers find out what the real bill is, you know, the hundreds? He's like, they just mess with the money all the time. They mess with the real deal, and then they can tell what the fake is. And so the reality is, is Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you, and it's not a complex thing. God brings you into relationship so that you can, like Paul said, to lose that, to keep the simple and pure devotion. Oh, I've got something in my mouth. 
And uh, t- that's what the enemy wants to do. Is he wants to take that from you. He wants to complex it. He wants them to make it something than what it needed to be. And Jesus said, no, just be with me. But, and when you do, you know him, but it intimidates this other guy, and you can walk honestly without pride because it's something you've done not in your own, and that's why no man can boast. And you just had this relationship, and he said what to do. And this enemy sees it, and he's going to target you and whatever he can do. He's going to pin everything but it's going to actually be the thing where jesus said in psalms 23 in the presence of your enemies i'm going to serve you and he's going to teach you and you're going to have understanding and revelation and you're going to be useful but it's going to be in the presence of darkness it sounds weird but though i walk through the valley god has a plan for you to go through the demonic way and you're like what no everything's supposed to be easy breezy and nice and heavenly and it's like no it's going to get hard and rough and bad but you're going to learn so much if you just abide in him. You know. So the question is, you've got somebody that you encounter, whether it's a, a, a you know established relationship or an acquaintance, somebody you just come across, and they're also trying to live a forerunner lifestyle, but it's extreme. So I would say kind of what John was saying is like, be zealous, go for it, and then we'll help clean up whatever message you make. I would so much rather say, go for it, man, or woman, go for it, and then, and then we'll help, like, get you, you know, centered a little bit here and there, as opposed to what was told to me was like, hey, man, just calm down all of that, and then, and then I'm stifled for the rest of my life, and, and now I don't have any zeal, but I'm super safe, and I will conform to whatever box that anybody is willing to, you know, put up there. I would so much rather say, you go for it. Let's put a, a, a booster pack on you and run hard. And then, and then we'll, we'll counsel you with some wisdom and, and some, uh, you know, bumpers on you. Yeah, I would, um, I would kind of agree. I mean, I know when I was starting out, I had a chip on my shoulder. And I had some extreme views, and I didn't know any better. And if I knew that they were extreme and harmful, then I knew I wouldn't have had them. And so, you know, there's some of that is just bearing, you just bear with. And, you know, you bear with the failings of the week. And the failings of the week, sometimes it doesn't always mean complacent and lazy or not knowing the Bible or immature or something like that. Sometimes it just means like, you're running really hard and you step on a lot of toes unnecessarily. And you kind of got to like clean up messes that they make and you're patient with them. And, you know, just, you know, as even a leader, something that I've always tried to prioritize is gentleness and forgiveness. And just really, it's like, I just want to go so big on gentleness and forgiveness and keeping someone in the story. Above all else, I want to keep this person engaged in the story, no matter what. You know, that that's like goal number one, because I'm positive that he who began a good work in them is faithful to complete it. And then like Jesus is WWE champion of the universe. He will wrestle any nonsense out of you. He's super good at getting you to tap and to quit. What are some checks and balances that you can put in your life? You know, actually kind of that that zealous person like, man, I'm going to go for it. admittedly, I tried to do the bar thing, and it didn't work. I ended up drinking again. I'm like, oh, man, this is, 
they influence me. I'm not supposed to do that. So I had to stop that ministry, like, real quick. I would say just go with a buddy. You know, go with a buddy who doesn't have that problem, but also desires to reach out to people. And, like, they will keep you honest. And as long as you're going with a buddy, you're going to be fine. You know, that's a lot of times, you know, whenever Jesus, he sent people out, he sends them out two by two. And I think the two by two is a couple of reasons. One, it's so you'll actually do it. And two, you keep each other out of trouble, you know? That's good. So you're trying to live a forerunner lifestyle, and you're getting tempted, whatever. How do you fight that? Jesus said um, several things. He said, bear fruit, within, uh, bear fruit by keeping with repentance. He's also said, um, he talked about the word of God that, that, that would... Um, uh, that would grow and, and produce 30, 60, 100, and it said it was an honest heart. So honesty, repentance, and just intimacy, because the, the Lord is your coach, and he wants to speak you too, and he wants the, the, the victory to come your way, but it needs to be through humility, because we're, we're crazy little creatures. We're, we can, uh, you know, the Pharisees, a lot of times, that Luke 18 thing, it's a little, it's a little scary, it's this, this man that had confidence because he, what he wasn't. He wasn't, it's not that we're supposed to be those bad things, but he had confidence in, well, I'm not an adulterer, I'm not these things. I fast, I pray, I tithe. And he said, I thank the Lord that, he said he thanked the Lord in his heart that way. And the Lord said, I want to let you know there's another man that's beating on his chest that's a mess, and that guy's more justified. And so the reality is the Lord wants to give the victory, but it will come through humility. And, and, you, and there's, a, there's a pressure, you know, it's the refining fire that's, that's on you. And so that's going to bring out the bad, but it's going to bring out the good. And so you can be a voice of reconciliation, a voice, of, with, but it's with compassion. Jesus saw, and the ministry Jesus did wasn't about the power show and look what I can do and flex on these guys. It was a reality that he, he was in pain. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, everything. He was weeping. He saw a sheep without a shepherd. It was, and so it's the, it's the ministry that you're going to move and to speak into, and it can be done so powerfully. But through a ministry of tears, a ministry of love, and understanding the pain, you know, like Jesus going to that woman at the well, he's, she's like, you know, he's like, hey, I've got the answer for that burn. I know you've had five husbands. Drink of me, and I'm going to quench this, this problem from you. And then it comes, you know, it turns a life around. And so the Lord has those days that he walks in the room, and it's forever changed. But until then, it's just the same thing every day. Lord, here I am. But I would say um it sometimes like real quick the last thing is sometimes the sin that you see fleshed out isn't the reality of why what's actually you're allowing in and it's a weird thing but the enemy is the king of thieves so he likes to hide so you might think oh this is my problem you know it's this thing but the reality is there's something that you, that's the thing you're actually in disagreement with you're like oh you're always repenting but there's other stuff in your heart and your mind that you ponder on, and it's, it could be pride. It could be, man, you're just thinking of yourself elevated on stage, the presence of God moving through you in worship because you're amazing. And, and you have these thoughts, but you're not even repenting. And it's the seeds of the enemy getting in, and then you have these quick tendencies to do something, and you're like, wait, where did that come from? Why, why, why do I just feel it like I want it? And the Lord's like, he's actually getting get you into a conversation about taking something seriously that you're clueless about. The, w with the reality of the thing that you're actually in disagreement with. So that sin is actually a weird way of getting you to lean to find out this other thing, and then you'll actually take that seriously, and this other thing will diminish your way. It's weird. But it's just the enemy. He's the king of thieves. He knows how to hide. And so he produces a lie. You receive, and then you flush out these things. And you go, God, what's wrong with me? And then the Lord goes, all right, I'm going to teach you. Nothing to be afraid. We just have to listen to the Lord every day.
worship leader, come on up. I just want to make a, a quick comment on that. I remember kind of having one of these these instances where I'm just feeling the the feeling the heat of like, oh man, I just you know I want to tear this person apart or oh man, I, whatever you know, uh, or just the these thoughts are coming through and I'm like no and I I'm like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna walk in the spirit so I don't you know uh, fulfill the lust of the flesh and you know I'm like going like trying to fight this this battle and just like like john was saying the lord i remember the lord saying you can't walk in the spirit if you have unforgiveness in your heart about this other thing and i'm like oh i'm, I'm over here fighting this battle but i have this door this back door wide open with unforgiveness and i'm getting pummeled on this back side but i'm over here trying to fight this little thing and again it's just like it's this decoy fight of of whatever's going on so i mean that's that's applicable to, to, you know, so many things. So, This concludes this teaching from the prayer room. For more resources, please visit our website at tprdfw.com. Thank you.